So whether you're single or married, young or old, everyone will have a legacy, whether good or bad. So Zymir, whether you are young, you will, you're right now, right now you're building a legacy, believe it or not, even at your age. So the things that you are doing, the things that you, um, you know, are living out, your, your children and their children's children can actually learn from, from you. So you don't want to show them anything that is not going to represent the God that you say you love, the God that you serve. You know, you, you're called to preach, and you got to live out what you preach. Like, you got to really, really not just say words that uh, sounds good. What's going to make you an effective minister is you live it out. You not only say it, but you're living it. You're like, an, uh, you're like a, a walking uh, epistle. You know, one of the epistles, uh, Paul, and, you know, you're, you're like them. And so you, you have to allow God to use your life even right now at a young age. Ari, the same for you, too. God wants to use all of us, whether we're young or old, married, single, or whatever our status is. He wants to use us all. And so the question is, what will people think of you? These are some questions I want you to think about. What will people think of you? If you were married, what will your spouse think about you? If you have children, what will your children think about you? What will they remember about you? Because all of that is, is going to encompass the legacy that you leave them. What legacy will you leave behind? Now, legacy is usually associated with worldly possessions like cars and homes, land, jewelry, uh, money, and businesses. But most people, they may not have all those things to give to their, their, their loved ones when they pass on. But I want to present to you, that's the last thing that we really need to be thinking about is those material things like that. Let's go over to Matthew 6.19. Matthew 6.19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do of corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust do of corrupt, and where the thieves do not break through nor steal. And then uh, verse 21, I didn't put that on the screen there, but for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's important that we understand that no matter what happens in your life, the choices, the failures, the triumphs that you have in your life, all of that affects the next generation. See, we think we're in the moment, like dealing with this stuff, but how people see you handle what you're going through is building a legacy. I didn't know, like I said uh, earlier, I didn't know that my son was watching how I handled opposition. But now that he's older, I see how he handles opposition, and he handles it like me. 
He he he's 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 a born again believer. Um, he's on you know he's on his way in terms of being uh, maybe what I call like totally sell, sold out. I mean right now you know he loves the Lord. He's he's doing the best he can right now for where he, for where he's at, and he's striving for more. It's not like he's like. Um, like uh, just kind of taken for granted, you know, just kind of laid back. No, he really is really trying to push uh, his relationship with God. And we've, we've often talked about it, you know, like, you know, I talk about like when you try to help someone build a legacy, you can't be trying to get them to like you. So with him, I'll tell him the truth. Son, I think maybe you can take this to a whole nother level. You know, um, and, and that's important because, you know, I'm still, as a parent, responsible for, even though he's an older adult, I'm still re uh, uh, responsible for giving him what he needs. So it's very, very important that we understand that our choices and our failures and our triumphs uh, affects the next generation. All of us at some point in our life will experience disappointments, tragedy, confusion, frustration, because life happens. But how we handle it actually determines the kind of legacy that we leave. If you know God, if you know God and you know who you are in him, your perspective on life and situations will be, no matter what happens, it's going to work out for your good. That's important to, to really grasp because when you know God, in fact, uh, during uh, our Master Life class, we talked a little bit about that, like knowing God. Because when you know God, then you know that delays are happening for a reason. You know uh, when things don't come through, it's happening for a reason because maybe God got something better. I mean, your, your focus or your perspective on the situation is a little different because you know who he is, and you know who you are in him. And those two things are so important as you walk and develop this legacy that you're passing on. No matter what happens, you have to know that it's going to work out for your good. Romans 8.28 talks about, uh, that's not uh, uh, on the screen there, but Romans 8.28 talks about, you know, all things work together. All encompasses good, bad, ugly, everything that in between. It will all work out for the good of them that love the Lord and are the call to his purpose. So the key thing is, you know, loving God and being the call to his purpose. Our, we're called to do what God has called us to do. We're called to be faithful and abide faithful in the things that he, he's asked us to do. We're called to be obedient to what he wants us to do. Very, very, very important. Perspective is so important. How you respond to things that, that are happening in your life determines the outcome. I said that before. How we respond under a panic condition will be our legacy. How we respond to a panic situation will determine our legacy. God has to be real to us, not something that we read about, something that we talk about, but something that we live. 
He's got to be real. Knowing God, having faith in him, and being obedient in him is the legacy that we're leaving. That's a, that, that man, that's a wonderful thing right there. If you can pass on, you know, uh, knowing God, because we live in a world where people don't know him. You know, we doubt sometimes, you know, God, are you really here? Are you really with me? Are you really, you know, for me? But knowing him, man, is so important. And that is a legacy, man. That's a beautiful legacy to pass on to uh, anybody that you come in contact with. When our thinking is changed of who God is to us, our choices change to good choices. When our choices change, our behavior changes. Some of our behavior, if you really was to, to be honest with, with yourself, some of our behavior reveals we don't even believe God, let alone know him, just some of the choices that we've made. Let's go to Exodus 23. We're going to start at verse 3, Exodus 20. God is actually telling uh, Moses, I believe, as he's talking to Moses here, um, to the people, to tell the people this. So let's see, chapter 20. It says, um, and we're going to read all the way up to uh, verse 6. Exodus 23, 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the heaven. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, Thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them. This is uh, the, the born-again believer. But showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandment. And so I wanted to deal with that word iniquity iniquity because he talks about you know the visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations so when i looked up uh iniquity iniquity is sin at its worst it's sin at its worst it's a premeditated choice continuing and ex escalating into disobedience that cross over to rebellion. And as you know, you know, rebellion is, is, is like a form of witchcraft. So let me say that again. Iniquity is sin at its worst. It is a premeditated choice, premeditated choice, continuing and escalates into disobedience that crosses over to rebellion. The person continues to sin without repenting. Flirting with sin is dangerous because we think we can control what we're doing. So sometimes we do things and it's like, well, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but, you know, hey, I'm weak, or hey, I'm human. But that's flirting with sin. Iniquity, iniquity may seem small, 
and harmless, but can take control before you know it, and what you're doing can easily become a sinful lifestyle. If you think about a lifestyle as something that you live out, like without breathing, it becomes uh, your autopilot. When this happens, we are committing iniquity. An example of this is uh, David and Bathsheba. The sin started with him looking at her, and then he got with her, got her pregnant, caused her husband to come home uh, so that he can kind of fake the pregnancy. <laughs> this, David was off the hook, if you think about it. I, let's, uh, let's go there. Second Samuel. I don't know if I had that in the notes to, to, uh, to go to, but Second Samuel, let's see. It's 11. Let's see. Chapter 11, I believe. Uh, maybe it wasn't that. Oh, I'm in the wrong. It would be nice to go over to 2 Samuel. Listen at this. Okay, um, it says, uh, and it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from his bed. Now he was minding his own business. <laughs> he arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, it says, uh, <laughs> he saw a woman washing herself. Now come on now. First off, why would a woman be openly washing herself? <laughs> I mean, that's not right. That is not right when you think about it. She's tempting whoever is watching. I'm like, are you serious? But listen, it says, and, and from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful uh, to look upon. So talk about temptation. She's on the rooftop washing herself, and she's beautiful. But the scripture says that he saw the woman. And then uh, I, wanted, I just wanted to bring that out because it started with him seeing. He didn't do anything with his seeing other than act on what he wanted. <laughs> and that was the beautiful woman. And so, uh, so, so, so David, he, he uh, and, and it, I, I put down here, he refused uh, uh, okay, so the, the, the husband, he refused. He, what he did is he sent a letter, told, uh, told, wanted the guy to come home so that he could just kind of pass it off like if he had, sex, you know, had relations with <laughs> um, her. Um, he could easily pass it, you know, pass it off like it's his. And so, uh, so that, I mean, that's cunning if you think about that. That's really cunning that he was like doing that. Um, and um, let's see, there were some points I wanted to bring out there. Then David despised the plan that he had uh, him kill. Oh, okay, so then the guy, so the guy um, decided, well, he wasn't going to come home because he, he's a loyal person. So he was, you know, trying to cover his comrades in the, in the, in the fight. So he was like, well, I can't leave them to come home to, to be with the wife. So that backfired. <laughs> So then David says, well, well, since that backfired, I'm, I got to come up with something else. And he had him killed. And then not only did he have him killed, he married her. 
I mean, that's, cold, that's some cold stuff. That is some cold stuff. So up to that point, can you imagine the type of legacy that he was actually leaving by doing something like that? Um, and, and it really wasn't until the prophet Nathan that came along that actually told him a story, and it, it turned out to be that the story was about him. And it was so funny because in the story, uh, David, it was like a parable he was using, and, and he said, he said, I can't believe, David said, I can't believe that person did that to that person. They should, they should be killed. <laughs> and, and Nathan said, that person is you. <laughs> That is, that, that's interesting, very interesting. And then, so, so David did all that, and, uh, but then, here's the thing, Solomon, his son, well, first off, the, the first son that he was pregnant, that the woman was pregnant with, that, that baby died, seven days after the baby died. But then, he, when he married uh, Bathsheba, they had another child, which was Solomon. Now, Solomon took it to a whole nother level. He has 700 wives. What you going to do with 700 wives, y'all? What, what in the world? Wait a minute. Not only did he have 700 wives, he had 300 concubines. I mean, it's only 365 days in a year. What the heck? I mean, what, what, is, he, what is he thinking of? And, and then these women, they turned, their, they turned his heart away from God. They turned his heart. And, and so he, he, he didn't have any control. Um, like he could control, he could not control his desire for women. So he became a pimp. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I mean, so I'm just saying, so here, here, here was a legacy that the father left uh, 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 Solomon. I mean, I still can't get over that. 700 wives. And at that time, and I'm telling you, and it's still to this day, there, is, there was never really a thing where God allowed people to have more than one wife. Adam and Eve came on the scene. It was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Lucy. Or Adam and Eve and Steve. <laughs> so... You know, that was the first mention of a family, is, is that, that whole thing. So he, he just jacked up. I mean, you know, I, I'm still getting like 700 wives, y'all. Can you wrap your mind around that? Seven, what, what, how do you, what, look, I can't even, and then 300 concubines. What you need the concubines for? What'd you say? It's a thousand, yes. What do you need the concubines for when you got 700 wives? I, you know what? I, I hope they, they ran him crazy. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so um, when we sin, we have a choice to continue in the sin. Sometimes we come up with justifications why we did it. Or repent, which means to turn away. When we repent, we find forgiveness in God. So that's a good thing. So even though David did all those things, uh, the scripture talks about he uh, basically went before the Lord and asked for forgiveness. I mean, and God is just uh, to forgive us uh, when we do that. Uh, Jeremiah 38, for the sake of the time, I'm just going to uh, uh, quote it. Jeremiah 33, verse 8. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me. 
and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion or iniquity against me. That's a good thing because some of us, we, we, we have committed iniquity, not because we are evil or anything like that. We just sometimes, in some cases, didn't even know that that's what we were doing. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when I think about my life, and you know, I was, I was basically having relations out of marriage, uh, outside of marriage rather, um, smoking cigarettes, I was getting high off marijuana, um, coming up with justifications why I did all those things. Um, I had to actually go before the Lord and stay in his face until I received deliverance. See, a lot of times people don't, they don't stay in God's face. They ask, um, and sometimes they ask amiss because they, their, their motive behind their ask is not really genuine. And so, but if you have a genuine heart and you ask and, and God still hasn't delivered you in some of those things, whatever you do, don't try to allow the enemy to, to uh, co like, like condemn you. You know, Romans 8, 1 talks about, therefore, there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So, but the goal is, is if you are doing anything that, that's, that's disobedient to God, anything that is really messing up your legacy that you're, you're giving to the people uh, uh, before you, repent and then keep inquiring of God, keep pressing God to help. Keep pressing God for deliverance. And I promise you, he will come through. I, when, I, when I stopped smoking cigarettes, I smoked two and a half packs of Coos Filter Kings a day. And just one day, he just took that taste. And one of the things I said in my prayers, I was like, God, I know these things are not pleasing to you, especially the, the relations outside of marriage. And every time I did it, and I would find myself doing it all the time, just, you know, uh, just, just, I don't even know why, because it wasn't like I was having some type of, you know, joy <laughs> in the whole thing. But, but for whatever reason, I found myself in that state of weakness, and, um, and I would cry out to God even after I did it. And it was silent. Like, I didn't get anything. I didn't get deliverance at that time or at that moment. But I kept crying out because I knew I was, see, the Holy Spirit convicts the heart of man. And he was convicting me every single time. Now, I had a choice. I could ignore the conviction, like some of us do. That ain't you, God. <laughs> or you know, you know, you know my needs, or you know what, whatever the case is. But but, but, but I, I kept pressing in because I, I knew it was wrong and I knew I needed to get right with God because I was feeling guilt. I was feeling shame. I was feeling like, like uh, I was displeasing God. And so I kept pressing for him to change, to help me to deliver. Don't give up when you find yourself in a situation where you're doing things that is unbecoming of, of who you are as a Christian or who God wants you to be. So let's go to Galatians 5.19. Galatians 5.19. Galatians 5.19. 
All right, so it says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication. Let's start with adultery. Adultery, uh, according to Exodus 20, 14, says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And when you go, and just for the sake of time, um, read uh, Matthews 5, 28, 29, Jesus had a perspective about adultery. Like, adultery is not just, according to him, and it's in red, uh, is not just sleeping with uh, the person of the opposite sex. But it's also looking at the person. Let's go there. Let's read Matthews 5.28. We'll, we'll come back to Galatians. All right. Galatians 5.28. All right, so it says here... Um, <laughs> But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery, and with her already in his heart. That's deep. Then he was radical about what he just said. Verse 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. <laughs> That's radical. He's saying, look, he's, look if you got to just pluck out your eye so you won't look. That's how radical he was. And he says, and cast it from thee, uh, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish. <laughs> That's deep. And not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. That's strong. That's really strong. The other work of the flesh is fornication. And some of these, um, you know, the Lord just wanted me to highlight uh, these things because uh, some of these things crosses over to iniquity, which we, we can tend to pass it on to our, the next generation. But fornication, uh, basically the reference for that is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, and 20. That's where you sinneth against your own body. Uncleanliness. That's unclean spirits, like, you know, being around unclean spirits of impurities. Lasciviousness, that's a very interesting word uh, to pronounce, pronounce. lasciviousness, to be lustful, excessive, indulgence in sensual pleasures. That's what that means. Idolatry excessive devotion to something or something, idolatry. You know, a lot of times people don't realize, but, um, you know, uh, zodiac signs, you know, people are into horoscopes and things like that. That's a form of idolatry. You know, I remember back in the day where I uh, could not, like, go through my day without first, listen, like, looking up my sign. Like, what does the horoscope say? Interesting, they call it whore, whore, scope, whore. <laughs> but, but I would go through the day and look for, like, what's the day going to happen? What's, what's, and I believed it, too. A lot of times it came to pass. 
But that's just like the enemy. He wanted me to think and, and, and reflect on what, 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 what the, 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 is demonic. It's really demonic. Witchcraft, sorcery, and uh, uh, necromancy. Necromancy is a form where people talk to the dead. Um, and uh, the occult, voodoo, divination, witchcraft. There's a lot of that going on. You know, people are, are uh, uh, calling in to uh, Miss Chloe or, you know, calling into these psychic hotlines. And that is a setup from the enemy. I remember, the, I actually called one. I called one. And I'm telling you, after I got off that phone, well, first off, the person told me something about, I don't know, some guy was going to uh, not treat me treat me right, that basically he was fooling around, is what the person said. Actually, the person was right. And it was so interesting uh, how I found out was I was on the call, I was on a call, and it was around the time when three-way call was kind of fairly new, and the person clicked me on with the person that he was trying to get with. Clicked me on. And I was like, whoa! But I still felt guilty, and I felt like, oh my God, what did I expose myself to? Like, the, a part of me was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, uh, cursed forever because I allowed myself to participate in uh, the psychic activity. So that was my first and last time. I never did it again. Repent if you've done that before. You know, it, it's, 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 it's enticing. You know, when you really want answers, you know, a lot of times I was young, look, I wanted to know what my future was going to hold. And a lot of people are anxious to know, okay, so what's going to happen to me next month? Am I going to get married? You know, uh, um, you know what, 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 is, what is my life going to be like? And the thing about it is that that was all wrong, the way I went about doing it. Sticking with God and doing, uh, being faithful and being obedient I am where I am now because of those two things, being faithful and obedient. Hatred, hostility, full of hatred and bitterness, variance, disagreement, clashing, at odds, out of line, out of step, in opposition, emulation, up with the Jones. <laughs> You know, how many people are like, well, you know, uh, uh, it's funny, we, we know somebody who basically is doing something in their, um, you know, doing something in their yard, but it, they almost have a feel like, you know, uh, look what I'm doing, and then they want everybody else to follow them, you know what I mean? Um, so, so keeping up with the Jones is a form of, of uh, emulation, imitating someone, basically. It's a form of envy. Wrath, fits of rage, anger, bad temper, bad mood. These are all a form of iniquity. Strife, discord, disagreement, quarreling, bickering, disputes, sedition, to riot, to rebel. You know, we had a lot of sedition going on right now. Um, and uh, it's, it's, but think about it, it's rioting. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a form of rebellion. It's, they're tearing up stuff, if you think about it, in the rioting. It's, it's, it's okay to stand you know, for, for things, but to riot and 
tear up your city, that, that's just, that's a form of sedition. Civil disorder, insubordination, that's what that is. Uh, heresies, a belief that is contrary to Christian doctrine. Envying, always wanting something that belongs to someone else. They resent even uh, people that have certain things. Dissatisfied, longing for another person's possession or their position or their fortune or their achievement or their success. Murderers, people that kill. Basically, uh, and I believe it's James, I, I'm not quite sure, uh, but it, I believe it's in James when it talks about if you uh, hate your brother, brethren, you're a murderer. Because some people say, well, I don't, I haven't murdered anybody. Well, if you hated anybody, you murdered them. And so uh, it's important that we uh, understand these things. Drunkenness, I mean, of course, that's, that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, you know, you can start off drinking wine, but before you know it, you'll be drinking things, you know, slits, what is it, slits, bull, what is it, slits? Malt liquor. <laughs> Somebody knew in this place. Slits <laughs> malt, malt liquor. <laughs> Uh, and then before you know it, you're, you, you're drinking, you know, uh, vodka or whatever the case is. I remember back in the day, um, you know, I, I started off drinking wine, and then before you know it, it was wine coolers, and then after the wine coolers, then it might have been vodka, it might have been uh, MD 2020, Boone's Farm. <laughs> I don't know if anybody remember that, but, uh, or, or Thunderbird. <laughs> And so, you know, those, those are drunkenness. I mean, you know, the, the, the things that I did back then, you know, in an in a, in a, uh, indirect way, I was leaving a legacy. Some of the things that I went through, my son went through. Thank God he came out, but he went through some of the things. Why? Because he, he saw me go through some things. And then it talks about in such a light, meaning anything close to these. <laughs> He's making sure that we understand that. Uh, let me get back to where I was saying here. But notice it says, um, he says, I have also told you in times past, I'm, a, I'm actually on verse 21, I've told you also uh, in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when you think about the kingdom of God, it's, it's, it's God's way of doing things. In his kingdom, we all are, are, are uh, born-again believers, people in here at the church, and you in TV land, if you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, we are now in God's kingdom. The problem is all of the things that I just listed can't function and operate in God's kingdom. God's kingdom has order. And when we disobey the order, then we are basically setting ourselves up for failure. And that's why it, 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 uh, it amazes me how people want the blessings of God, but they're doing everything that is going against God. How can you expect the blessings of God when you're doing things that are against God? Why would he co-sign on our the things that we do that is wrong. Why would he do that? That's not even realistic. But we, we think it all the time. And then we get angry and mad at God because I'm through. Are we serious?
A good example of how one parent and a grandparent left a legacy is found in Timothy. Uh, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Starting at verse uh, 4. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of, this is uh, Paul actually talking to Timothy, uh, but greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy, te thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unformed faith, which means genuine, sincere, and true faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that that same genuine, sincere, and true faith is actually in you, is what it says. So that's a good example of how a parent and a grandparent instilled faith. You can instill faith in your children. You can instill faith in the people. You know, the, the thing about legacy, again, it, you don't have to, it, it don't have to be about children. It could just be about whoever you're around. You can be creating a legacy. Again, like one of the questions I asked is, what will people say about you? Like, what, what, would, what would you be known for? You know, I mean, that's what you got to start thinking about. Will people even notice you missing? That's awful when you think about that. I mean, would it, would it matter if you're even in the earth? And so it's important that we... Um, that we uh, understand that we can we too can leave a legacy. Christ actually left a legacy. The example that he showed us uh, how we should be is found, um, I'm just going to give you the scripture, read First uh, Peter 2, 21 and 25. Ephesians 5, 1 tells us how to, that we're followers of God. Christ leaves the legacy of the gospel, the good news. That's his legacy to us, is the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus heals and saves and redeems us and, and, and puts us actually in right standing with God because of what he did on the cross. What a legacy that has lived out for over 2,000 years. What a legacy. We're still talking about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's big. Legacy is what, again, is it continuously talked about? Are you continuously talked about? You think about, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Martin Luther King. Everybody knows that name. Billy Graham. Everybody knows his name. Those are just a couple that I'm just thinking about right now. But the, Jesus Christ. Billions of people still follow and worship him. They live and they serve him. He lives through people and has done the same work that he did thousands of years ago. What a legacy. 
When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we start a spiritual legacy. When we share our faith, it becomes the greatest legacy we can ever leave our family or friend or people that, that we come in contact with. That's why it's important to, to be a witness. You know what? A lot of times people feel like, well, I can't share uh, the good news because I don't know the Bible. If you just share your own testimony, that will bring somebody, especially if when you start to talk about some of, the, some of the things that we've all gone through, we don't look like what we've been through. And when you share your testimony, people will be like, what, you went through that? And look at you now. You know, I think about my life, in fact, I had no clue my life was gonna end up the way it, way it was or the way it is now, but I was, you know, 15, pregnant, without husband, going from job to job, trying to make it. I had no clue that Ayers Christian Center, well, first off, I had no clue that Keith Anthony Bradley was in my future. Had no clue. I didn't know that Ayers Christian Center Church was in my, it was in my future. I didn't know the house that I live in, the houses that we've bought was in my future. The cars we purchase, I mean, everything that has culminated to my life today, I had no clue. But God used everything that I've went through and has, has encouraged me to keep moving in spite of what I was experiencing. And I'm telling you, life now, it's like, oh my God, I, things happen so quick, I don't even know how I got here. I don't even know how I got here. Especially when, leave it up to people, I was destined to be a failure. I was destined to be on welfare. I was destined not to make it. I was destined not to, to have a purpose in life, but be on welfare. But God, but God. Psalm 78.4 says, uh, well, let me go back here. Oh, let's go to Deuteronomy 4.9. This is important to point out because God wants us to do this. Deuteronomy 4, chapter 4, verse, verse 9. And we're going to read all the way to 10. All right, it says, take only take heed to, your, to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thou eyes, which thou, th thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy son's son. So God is saying that whatever you have done in your life, teach it to your children. Talk about it. Be in remembrance of it. Keep your eyes on it. You know, it's something about we, we remember all the negative, but we forget some of the positive things. You ever notice that? It's like we can, we can remember every negative thing, but when it comes to the good things, you know, we're like the children of Israel. The children of Israel had some miraculous things that took place. And yet every time when they were against or coming up, coming up against opposition, they would always falter and they would always get in doubt and unbelief when I'm thinking, oh my God, he showed, he showed them like tremendous uh, miracle signs and wonders, but yet they still 
was looking at their circumstance. It says, especially the day that thou, uh, be, that, that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, um, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me. See, he wants people to ultimately fear him. Now, that's a, it's a health, healthy reverence to fear. It's not just like, you know, oh, my God, I'm afraid, like, uh, like a fear of, um, you know, dying or something like that. It's a healthy fear is what God wants. All the days that they shall live upon the earth and that they what? May teach their children. Teach their children. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. Let's go there. Starting at verse 5. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Look, heart, soul, and might. He wants us to love him. And these words which I have commanded thee this, uh, this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou, uh, and it says, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house. I mean, when you're just sitting around in God's house, he want, or in your house, he wants you to talk about it. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou lie, liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on the gates. God wants us to, to, to really, really inject uh, who he is into our children's lives. Not only does he want us to inject who he is into our children's life, but he also wants us to live it so they, they can see the God that you serve. Let's go to Psalms 145, verse uh, 4. It says, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. You know, uh, Judges 5.11 says, rehearse the righteous acts of God. We've got to rehearse it because the enemy wants us to forget about all those things that he brought us through. And I'm telling you, when you really, really took some time, you take some time and you think about what God has done for you, what it does is it causes you to have gratitude. Not only does it cause you to have gratitude, it increases your faith for the next thing he has to bring you through. But we don't spend time thinking about all those things he brought us through. We don't even think about it. We think about the here and now, whatever that might be. And it's causing us to be frustrated um, in whatever situation we're in. So we can either choose to tear down the good legacy that the generation before us left, or we can build up a generation that is torn down and make it honorable for the next generation. You know, if, if mama didn't do what she was supposed to do, or daddy, then you can do above what they should have done. Each generation should be easier than the former generation because that baton uh, during... Um, during the Father's Day uh, message, you know, I, I showed where, you know, people are, are, are 
given a baton to the next generation each time. And so you have the baton right now. What are you passing? What are you passing? Are you passing those, those iniquities that we talked about earlier? Are you passing, you know, faith and obedience? Because that's the key. Pass on faith and obedience. If you sow rebellion as a young man or lady, you will reap rebellion. It may come through your children or your children's children. And as I said earlier, the good news is that if you started to build a bad legacy, you can change it today by believing in God, by having faith in him, by being obedient to whatever he tells you to do. John uh, 2, 5, this is the account where uh, Jesus was at a wedding. This was the first miracle, actually, that took place. And he was at a wedding, and they ran out of wine. And they went to Jesus' uh, mother, and they asked, well, what shall we do? And her, these words she said to me is so powerful. She says, whatsoever he saith to you, do it. That's the obedience right there. It ain't about, oh, well, it doesn't look like it's going to have a favorable outcome. Because if you think about what he asked them to do, it, 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 it defiled or it, it didn't uh, register in the human mind how you can pour water into a vessel and expect wine. That made no sense. And I can see some people, how are we going to pour water into some, a vessel and expect it to be wine? I mean, at least put some grapes in there so, so it can, you know, have some type of flavor or something. But, but, but whatever he says, we have to do it. And the good thing about accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, when he died on the cross and rose again, he left us an inheritance. See, an inheritance is only uh, good when a person dies. Then they leave something for the person. Uh, Colossians 3.24, just for the sake of time, I'm just going to read it here. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. God wants us to reward us with an inheritance when we serve the Lord. 1 Peter 1.4 talks about his inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for us. That's good news. And then uh, Revelations 21 gives us a beautiful description of what our inheritance is. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, God said he wipes away all tears from our eyes. Imagine that. Every tear from our eye. And there is no more death. Can you imagine? No more death, neither sorrow. This is found in Revelations 21. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away things are passed away. And that's good news. That's the legacy that we have. That's the inheritance that we have as a born-again believer, that there is a, there's going to come a time when God is going to eradicate all this old, and we're going to experience a new. And in that new, there won't be a, uh, uh, if, if we cry, it's going to be because of, it'll be because we are just so excited to be in his presence, and we can't do nothing but 
cry. You know, when I'm happy, a lot of times I cry. I, you know, I don't know why, but <laughs> you would think I would maybe laugh if I'm, if I'm happy. But when I cry, what it does is I'm so filled with gratitude that uh, it just it just breaks it. it I don't want to say it breaks my heart. It, it releases my heart to feel the gratitude. And so it's a blessed thing for the inheritance that we have. So I just want to say that wake up. Wake up, realize that every day when you wake up, you are leaving a legacy. You make the choice what that legacy is going to look like. You make the choice of what you want people to remember you by. You make the choice. And so this evening, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a message really that my desire is that you really, really take it serious because the next generation is counting on you. You out there, the, your gener this next generation is counting on you to do the right thing. This generation, this generation that we're in now, they need some of the people of old to step up and lead and guide and, you know, people into truth. And so I just want to encourage everybody, you know, to wake up. Wake up and think about what are you leaving the people that are uh, coming after you. And my time is up. All right, well, well, glory to God. Hopefully you enjoyed this message and you will be compelled to actually uh, think about some of those questions and, and, and really take your life serious. When your kids see you, man, they should see you, you know, uh, like even in your hardest times, they see you on your knees. In the hardest times, they see you praising God. In your hardest times, they see you believing God. In your hardest time, they see you having faith and obedience to God. All right, Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank and praise you for this word that we receive, Lord God. We thank you that this word will burn within us, Lord God, so that we can be responsible for this next generation, Lord God. I pray right now that uh, if there's anything in us that is not like you, I'm asking God that you would help us to get in right standing with you. Um, if those people out there that don't know you, that don't know Jesus, that doesn't know the Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now for you to send laborers to minister your saving grace in the name of Jesus. And so we thank you and we praise you, Father, that we can leave a spiritual legacy that will go on after us. And I pray that you help us to develop that legacy so that, Lord God, many will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.